This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm DJ Semsex. This is the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast. We're talking about hip hop. We're talking about the music that raised us. We're talking about the music that influences influences us. And, you know, it's only right right now that we totally flip what we've been doing over the last few weeks. We've, we, you know, we've had managers, we've had artists, we've had producers, we've had DJs. Yo, this is my first writer, a straight-up journalist. What's going on, man? Rob Kenner, what's happening? I'm in London. I'm in DJ Semtex's house. <laughs> what could be wrong, you know? So, so, you know, I always talk about the universal hip-hop passport, where it's like, it, you know, if you, if, you, if you do, if you're doing something in hip-hop and, you know, it's true to the culture and if it's just, you know, something of substance whether it's music whether it's djing whether it's is whatever or street art anything and and even writing will include that in the mix it's like it's a passport straight away so mm. when you reached out to me it was like yo rob cannot doing the nipsey book yep let's do the podcast <laughs> because to be able to do you know a book on nipsey hustle you you've got to be thorough you've got to be legit you've got to be in a position where you're respected and you know i i was just like straight away i was like let's talk you know i'm I'm a fan of nipsey hustle um i brought him over to the uk to do his first show but most importantly i know a lot of people around the world who are fans of nipsey hustle mm. so this is a very very important podcast right now and let's let's get straight to it let's get straight to the point how, how did you first discover hip-hop before we start talking about the book before I discovered Nipsey Hussle, I discovered hip hop. And for me, it was Sugar Hill Gang. It was Rapper's Delight. It was Apache. It was those records that reached me as a youth in Baltimore growing up. And before I moved to Chicago and started going to like, you know, house music parties. And this is in the late 80s, you know, Hot Mix 5 was killing it, you know. Um, Beastie Boys came to University of Chicago to perform live. That was a memorable night. Red Hot Chili Peppers and Beastie Boys. And WHPK had like Kanye and Common battling on the radio station, you know. So it was a, a movement that when I moved to New York in 87, I worked at Irieites Records on the Lower East Side. And KRS One used to shoot his videos around the corner, you know, like BDP Posse was definitely interwoven into the reggae scene in downtown new york so that was my gateway into the thing i always you know love the dance hall and the reggae and the sound system culture is really what brought me into vibe magazine when vibe launched you know so like 92 i heard that quincy jones was starting a publication about hip-hop culture and i was like i bet they're not gonna do dance hall properly let me let me holler at them i pitched a story about supercat still my favorite dancehall artist ever and was blessed to get that story off and then a year later they launched officially they said come on board and so i ended up being part of the launch of vibe and was the only editor that stayed 17 years until the wheels fell off they they marched us out of the building when they folded it you know and shout out to quincy like the vision to to put hip-hop on magazine covers mm. people thought was crazy you know the source was doing it 
Rap Pages was doing it, but like for Time Warner, major international publisher to do it in a big way. First, like profile of Puffy, you know, the the first covers on Snoop Dogg and obviously, you know, all the years I edited, you know, the covers on Big and Pac and all the way to Barack Obama, you know. So mm. we did a lot of things there. Uh, worked with a lot of legendary writers. We mentioned Sasha Jenkins, Elliot Wilson earlier, some of my brothers in the game, and Kevin Powell and Greg Tate, Joan Morgan, Scott Paulson Bryan, a lot of the legends of journalism, Harry Allen, the media assassin from Public Enemy, yeah, you remember yeah, yeah. the lyric. So, yeah. you know, I've edited or written some, you know, memorable stories at Vibe, mm. and that's where I met Nipsey Hussle. He came up to play his mixtape. Soon before the magazine folded, actually, is in '09. Mm. Bullets ain't got no name. That's a crazy journey. Yeah, that's a crazy journey. It's a lot. I, I want to focus on Vibe magazine because I grew up reading that, and I, I know many people listening to this, this podcast right now, definitely at different stages. You know, they, whether it's the early years or whether it's the later years, or even just the covers. The covers were very, very iconic. The photography was very, very iconic. The articles, great in depth, integrity, sincerity, and yo, know, it's an important magazine. You know, for for us in the UK, it was kind of like one of the lifelines, like the Source Double mm. XL magazine. You know, we grew up reading those magazines, and it is a generation of writers and photographers and and artists. Are, you know, everybody was inspired by those those publications. So. What was it? What was it like at that time, though? Like mid nineties. I mean, all right, come on, man. Quincy Jones. Like first of all, like let, let's break down about the significance of Quincy Jones. The OG, the real the OG. OG of OGs. I mean, the goat of goats. Frank Sinatra, Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, pop artist named Michael Jackson. You might have heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he made a lot of records. He broke a lot of barriers. He always told the story that when Sinatra was playing Vegas black artists were not allowed to stay in the same hotel or enter through the front door of the casino. And Frank was like, fuck that. Like, if, if my band can't be respected, Frank Sinatra's not playing this casino. So That's he crazy. personally, you know, Quincy saw that, was walking in those doors, you know, and then becoming like one of the first black composers to produce major soundtracks for scores for big motion pictures and tv shows you know just trailblazing all the way until you get michael jackson the first black artist to be all on mtv mtv was super white at that time you know and david bowie called them out there's a famous interview where david bowie was like i don't know why mtv won't play black artists yeah you know? i've seen that he had luther vandross singing harmonies for him you know like mm. so he was he was doing his bit, but Quincy Jones, mm. you know, gave Will Smith a acting career, put mm. him on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know? So he was making moves in TV, film, music, and then he saw a need for hip-hop to be represented properly because mm. Rolling Stone was doing it with rock stars. Mm. They weren't really messing with rappers too yeah, much. And it, was ne it, was never public it was never promoted properly or respected, you know? In the same exactly. Way. And today it's ironic because Vanity Fair, GQ, every mm. magazine wants to be a hip-hop magazine now because that's what moves the needle, you know? They're not really true to the culture, but they will slap, you know, Puffy's on the cover of Vanity Fair the other day, you know? And that's... That makes me happy because I remember the first profile of Puffy. I remember the first editorial magazine meeting 
And Scott Polson Bryant said, you know, we should do a story on this A&R at Uptown Records called Puffy's making a lot of noise, doing Jodeci and Mary J. Blige. And, you know, he's like, the hip hop audience is different. They don't just want to know the artists. They want to know who produced the record, who A&R'd mm. the record, who styled the video. Mm. And Puff had his magic and all of that stuff. So, mm. you know, we said, yeah, fuck it, let's profile Puffy. You know, mm. not not knowing that he would be who he became. You know, we felt it, but who mm. could see it at that moment, mm. you know? So how does a white kid from Baltimore end up in New York <laughs> working under Quincy Jones, who's, he's the producer, he's the greatest. Like, yeah. look, big up Dr. Dre, Kanye West, whoever your favorite producer is right now and whatnot. But Quincy Jones is, just, just read his book. Like if you if you don't know anything about him, just just do your research, read his book, and you know just look at what he did and his contribution to music. Yeah. But how do you end up covering dancehall under the guidance of one of the greatest composers of all time? Like like yeah. how? how? <laughs> it's, you know, I'll just go with God's plan. I'll just go with that. Okay. I, don't, I don't really have a logical explanation. I'm from California to make the record historically right. accurate because this is okay. DJ Semtech's hip hop raising podcast. <laughs> Let's get it down particularly <laughs> properly. But yeah, yeah um, you know, I just followed my passion. Let's see also has a record said respect your passion. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that is what I've done my whole life. Nobody told me I could be yeah. a hip hop journalist. There wasn't really right. a job application for that but you know okay. I, I went to college for english literature yeah i spent all my money on records you know i yeah. worked at a record shop i was djing before i was at vibe i was in the clubs in lower east side okay. spinning with people like jamalski who right. signed to bdp and you know like mm. we had our dub plate selection shout out rest in peace seaborn and tree icu mm. the whole family you know so it was just a following your passion thing. And yeah. it led me to that point. I could write. I knew I was going to be a writer, a journalist. My father is an English professor and wrote right. shelves full of books. Okay. Uh, he, I dedicated the marathon don't stop to my father, okay. Hugh Kenner, you know, but you know, he wouldn't understand what I'm doing, but I'm following my passion just like he did. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's crazy because it's like I said, you know, I grew up reading Vibe magazine. They always got it right. I mm. think in terms of the new artists that they would feature, I think the 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 people who contributed to the magazine, and it, and it, and it's crazy meeting you today because the coverage of dancehall was was always spot on. Like I don't, I can't remember any other music magazine in the nineties or the noughties that I could say got it right or did it. Full stop. You know, over here, you know. <laughs> Enemy, you got all these other magazines. They're still catching up. Well, like, Black Echoes did all right. They, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, know, echoes, there's yeah, certain yeah, yeah. certain yeah, yeah. people know what. Yeah, they, they, there's echoes and and but what I'm saying is outside of the the genres like right, right. mainstream coverage exactly. You know, because Vibe was like it was, you know, it was for the culture, but it was also mainstream. It wasn't just like yeah, this is a hip hop magazine. It wasn't right. like, you know, um, rap sheet or source or rap pages or anything like that. It was like it, it was it really did play a very important role in taking the music um wider to and just presenting it in the right way mm -hmm. like, i still remember the photography like that was in the magazines and the covers and everything absolutely so. no the 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 visuals you know the late great george pitts the photo editor was a visionary you know 
a black photo editor that came from Entertainment Weekly and went to Vibe and had a chance to show his brilliance. And then after Vibe, he went on to do Gordon Park's whole job at Life Magazine. You know, like he's he's a visionary. So every there were a lot of brilliant people that came together and we were all passionate we argued a lot at vibe because everybody cared so much mm. and there was so much pressure it wasn't like now where instagram every artist can just put out images of themselves like mm. the photo shoots the covers mm. people got tattoos of them people sent mm. we got mail from jail where people were doing these lifelike pencil and paper versions really? you know, and it became t-shirts it became folk art and earrings and you know, it's just, it was crazy. But when you mentioned the dance hall, I'm happy to hear you say that mm. because I can honestly say I got on at Vibe from dance hall. I wasn't just doing dance hall. I remember mm. the Nas Illmatic advanced cassette hit my desk. You know, I edited every kind of music, but I wrote a lot about dance hall and the Boom mm. Shots column was really my mm. thing there. And Boom Shots today is a digital platform, which I continue to keep going. And that's why I'm in London right now doing some stuff with Boom Shots Media. We okay. Check out the YouTube, Boom Shots TV. We just did a documentary on Skip Marley, Bob's right. grandson, directed by Reshma B, produced by right. myself. And, you know, we're doing things to keep dance hall alive because to me, it's like, you know, Cool Herc is you know we're coming up to 50 years yeah, of yeah, hip-hop right yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gonna be the yeah you know from the back to school jam yeah, yeah. cool herc and and his sister cindy and sedgwick avenue that's a jamaican family playing a sound system mm. you know and that's what we call the birth of hip-hop and mm. if you look at biggie and busta and you know slick rick there's a little jamaican mm. and a lot of the greats that that made hip-hop the thing that we love so much and you know, I mean, obviously, it's a lot of influences in the in the pot, but you know, I mean, here we are in London. Y'all keep the sound system culture alive here. The Notting Hill Carnival is crazy. Mm. You know, like yeah. it, it, you feel like you're in Jamaica sometimes. You know, walking around. Yeah, I was in Ladville Grove last night, and I was at a venue called Lalo um, for listening of a project. I can't I can't snitch on what it is, but <laughs> you know, it, it's a hip hop project, but it's got. It, it has a massive dancehall influence and it's mm. like it really is like that area that west london ladbrook grove goldburn road and everything else that's that's the home of you know the sound system and carnival vibes and everything else 100 percent. um yeah it's it's, it's it's in it's in the streets out it's inescapable you know? it's coming back right y'all not yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. cancel the carnival forever i think i think it'll <laughs> i know some forces want to stamp it out yeah, but I I think I think it all depends on this this whole this whole pandemic thing, the right. COVID COVID thing. It's like I think um, see what happens in the next six months. I think if if it gets better, yeah, I think it'll happen. If it, I don't know, man. It's the the COVID is not forever. I'm gonna tell you, I, I've <laughs> I've done my research. It's not forever. Yeah, it, I hope one not. day it's gonna die down and. the the real gonna rise up mm. again. So mm. I'm looking forward. We, I, mm. Can can we just like you know have a have a Guinness at that first? <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to it. We're gonna, yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. bust a Guinness and yeah, yeah. at that next Notting Hill Carnival and just. Make oh sure. yeah, definitely, definitely, right. definitely, okay. definitely. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you, like, sticking with the Vibe magazine for a minute. What what was it like being there in the middle of the East Coast West Coast beef? Because, like. I, I felt like, as a fan over here in the UK, I felt like, I felt like the magazines kind of 
played a part. Like, I'm not saying you, it's your fault. I'm not saying instigated. I'm not saying, but it was definitely like one minute you're seeing Big and then there's a comment and then there's, there's Diddy and Biggie on the same cover and then Shook Knight, you know, he's yep. saying that he's on the cover. It was yep. definitely like some shit. No question. It was nothing to play with. It was, it was real deal Holyfield, you know, and we were aware that at vibe and a handful of other publications and handful of other radio platforms we were the publication record for what was going on we were covering these artists from their first next you know both you know i mean biggie had his next in vibe you know biggie got his his cover him and faith in vibe you know like we supported and championed Pac all the way and you know it got really crazy. It got really stressful. I mean, this was also, remember, this was not a time where you could just tweet shit and go hide. Like, everybody knew where Vibe offices were. Loud Records was in the same building. You know, Wu-Tang, Big Pun, Mob Deep riding on the same elevator with us. So it wasn't as if we were isolated and hiding behind our laptop computers, you mm. know. I had colleagues that were assaulted in the office. Really? You know, oh yeah, absolutely. I had colleagues that, you know, for things that they did do or things that they were nothing to do with, you know, because it was just that it mattered, you know, mm. what you, you had to be able to stand behind what you wrote. You had to mm. really, you know, say like, am I ready to like defend this? And so I've written about my feelings about things that I wish would have played out differently in the mm. way that our covers were executed and you know, you can read some of my personal reflections. I mean, I edited that cover story. Which one? Big and, uh, oh, pretty the, much yeah. all the covers that right. I, I had a hand in them. Okay. And, you know, I didn't approve of that cover line that said mm. East versus West. I've written about this. Mm. And, you know, that was something that I wish we had done differently. Mm. Um, but it was definitely in the air with something that was being discussed. I felt like it wasn't the note that I wanted to accent personally, mm. but I wasn't the only chef mm. in the kitchen. Mm. You know, I was not the editor in chief at mm. the time. And could that it, could that happen today? If it was, could you get away with doing that today? Like people given, get away with crazy shit today because everything is just retweet and you yeah. know what did Jay Z say? Y'all talking crazy under them IG pictures. You mm. know, like there's, there's a lot of things that people just are isolated from because it's all on your cell phone. Everybody's mm. in their own movie now, but you know, when you really had to like put that magazine out and then the posters were going to be on the walls all over the cities, major mm. cities, every vibe, you know, certainly like big covers like mm. Big and Pac, they, you know, they were promoted. Mm. Biggie was murdered coming out of our party. That's you crazy. Know, the Peterson Automotive Museum. You well, know? How, how was that at a time working at Vibe magazine and, you know, Biggie gets killed coming out of one of your parties I mean, even to this day, it's in films, it's documented and everything else. It's like, but at that time, what, what was what was that like? Like, what was... It was painful. It was horrible. It was, it was I personally can tell you for me, it was, uh, you know, a tragedy that hit home with me personally, you know, and part of my dedication to telling stories in greater depth was really i mean i did the book with chael coker unbelievable which is a biography of christopher wallace 
the notorious B.I.G., you know, I felt that was something that I wanted to do out of mm. respect and in tribute to him, you know, and this is, you know, something that ended up being the blueprint for the film Notorious, you know, mm. like, I feel like hip hop biopics kind of started right there, you know, that was mm. probably the most like successful and important film about hip hop at that moment. and. You know, but the the tragedy that unfolded is something that I'll never shake. Honestly, it was a mm. it was a painful, traumatic experience to be part of the the vibe staff in that time. You know, and everybody that was in hip hop has their own experiences. And obviously, you know, Mrs. Wallace. You know, you have to put it in perspective. I didn't lose a son, but you know, we love Big. We love Pac too. You know, we love hip hop. We didn't want to see the heroes you know, lose their life. Mm. That was a terrible thing, you know? And I mean, you know, you hear Nas talking about it on King's Disease 2, the Death Row East record, you mm. know, the, the, the echoes of those twin towers, you know, are still being felt to this day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The first time I'd ever heard of Nipsey Hussle was on tour. I, I, I used to tour with a, a very dope UK artist called Dizzy Rascal. Dizzy Rascal, yeah, of course yeah, yeah. he did. As, as, as his DJ and everything else. And, you know, touring is the greatest experience because, you know, you, 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 you're forced to be a family with people that you don't really know. Um, you have some of the times of your life you, you you have the massive massive wins and but it's also you got the stresses of traveling together some people stink <laughs> some people are late like every you know people get on each other's nerves um some people get stressed especially artists they get they get stressed because they're trying to do a tour and work on an album or deliver an album but but one of the dopest things is sharing music mm. so we was in we was in in, a, in in one of the the transporters and then he kept playing this mixtape again and again and it wasn't even a mixtape it was one track again and again and is is it was nipsey hustle hustle in the house mm. i love that shit man because it was like it had that classic west coast sample or sound mm -hmm. and it was just dope like the clarity and how he rapped and I don't even think we listened to the rest of the mixtape. I think we just had that one track, a permanent road trip. It was like, yeah, 10, 20 times, like, you'd listen to it. Who was playing it? Who was the one that... Diz had it, and he was just telling the driver to play it. Diz, he had yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Diz, he, he, he's the one who put me onto him. So. Okay. 
So I was like, oh yeah, this, you know, I was like, this is dope, you know. Mm. And it, it was like, so from there, you know, the mixtape, and you know, that's how I discovered um, Nipsey Hussle. But what, what was that like for yourself? Like that was the same period of time that I became aware of him. You know, it's the same mixtape. It's the Bones Ain't Got No Name, um, Volume Two, and. He came up to the offices of Vibe. This is when we had moved down to Wall Street because um, real estate was cheap. The The financial markets had crashed and everything was kind of nervous. But Nip wanted that Vibe look. You know, we mm. mentioned about the next section where Nas and Big got their first page, Mary J. Blige, you name it. Like that was the launch pad for a lot of legends. And mm. so Nip was a student of the game. He had been submitting his demo and his headshot put me in the next section and I found out while researching the marathon don't stop that he was actually getting a little salty that we weren't getting back <laughs> to him, you know, but you know, it, it was at the right time. He came up uh, with that mixtape and presented it to the staff and I was blown away, you know, like, mm. I mean the record for me along with hustle in the house, there was a record on there called, um, I think it was on volume one, actually Dre jacking for beats mm. And he's flowing over the gin and juice, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. and then you can't play with that beat, especially yeah. being from Los Angeles. You have to like really know what you're doing with that track. Yeah. And he go back and listen to that. If folks haven't lately listen mm. to what he does on that. And, but yeah, hustle in the house is a flip of course of crisscross. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's funny. Cause it's like Jermaine Dupree's interpretation of the Dre G funk, yeah, yeah, you know, but then they chopped yeah. it and flipped it. He actually made the record in New York. Um, with a, a, a producer, I believe, from Atlanta. But anyway, it was like the G-Funk sound was universal at mm. that point, you know? Mm. And and to hear Nip in 09 doing that classic mm. early 90s, you know, G-Funk mm. sound was so refreshing because if you remember, that was like ringtone rap era. Yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah. Teach Me How to Dougie and yeah, yeah, yeah. certain other, you know, dance records that... I found it was very refreshing to hear that hard mm. G-Funk sound. So I was just impressed with his demeanor, the way he presented himself to the room. He was just mm. very, you know, immaculate braids, yeah, the yeah, chain, yeah. the whole, yeah. you know, straight off the block in Crenshaw and representing his neighborhood very mm. proudly. And and just, you know, obviously a, a brilliant young man. And I, I spoke to him after he played his tape and I said, you know, keep doing what you're doing. We're going to support you as best we can. And, you know, like, I'm going to be listening. And, you know, I can't say I was like Nip's friend or, you know, I didn't promote shows like you did, but I paid attention. I kept listening, you know, and he just kept rising. Mm. And, you know, he got that page in Vibe before Vibe ceased publication. Mm. Um, so he accomplished his goal. You know, that's mm. a metaphor for his whole career. Like, he was frustrated, but he just stayed at it. Mm. And by God, he got his page and vibe before the mm. lights were shut off at vibe. And mm. he continued to rise. And I'm sure you paid attention when mm. he did like the Crenshaw rollout and mm. proud yeah. to pay and, you know, yeah. change the game completely. Yeah. Just a brilliant mind. Apart from a great rapper, he was a exceptional individual that, you know, as I learned later, was building computers from parts, mm. reading magazines to put it all together it's like you know who does that you mm. know he's a special person so i paid attention and i knew this was one to watch and he never got those mainstream looks he as we know he was on his f the middleman mission and you know built his marathon team and just kept it moving but 
you know, if he had gone the major label route, he would have been on, you know, he was on the XXL freshman cover, yeah. of course. We remember that. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. You know, him with J. Cole, you know, mm. Wiz Khalifa, like future megastars. Mm. And in the book, I, I spoke with Vanessa Satin, who was the editor of XXL at the time. She was like, Nip was the star of that shoot that day. Everyone could feel like he was the one, you know, and, and he had the Snoop cosign at that point and, you know, all eyes were on him, but he went another way. He, he, at that moment, he did the XXL cover. He expected that his um, major label album was going to come out on Epic Records. He had a South Central State of Mind album in the chamber, but then the situation just felt a little weird for him. Like the executives changed, and he was like, you know, this isn't right. I'm not going to get my vision out the way I want it. And he found a way to get out of the deal. Johnny Shipes, who had helped him get in that deal you know helped him negotiate out of it and you know uh that was the beginning of the marathon a few years after bullets ain't got no name i, I don't know i don't know like i do this night called revival where for me I, i've just seen that you know the first night when a u.s artist comes to the uk is, is always the best one it's mm. always the most important it's always the most special and it's the most real event and for the artist and for the fans. So um, myself and a good friend of mine, Chris Waring, we were like, all right, let's do a night, call it Revival. Because mm -hmm. it's the Revival, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, the first one was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> now actually the first one, actually the ground zero event for that night was J Electronica night. Like when we did that at the Jazz Cafe. Not so bad. Yeah, yeah the follow up was terrible. Okay. We, we did some guy called T Mills. Anyway, so. <laughs> I don't really talk about that one, right. but we'll but, talk about J. Yeah, 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 keep it right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we we we've done um we've done a lot since, and you know Joey Badass Future, we we had Future in a venue that holds two hundred people. It's, mm. it's crazy. I said let's do an event where the tickets to die for. Mm -hmm. We do the event. I thought someone was gonna die in there. I was like, this is a stupid idea. It's just too <laughs> too full. Absolute zoo. Like speakers were falling off the walls. Like it, it was like it was insane. People were trying to kick the door in. Mm. Future said it's the best show he's ever done. Every time I see him, he's like, "Yo, that show, man! Like it's always it's dope." Like you know, because he was like, "I've never done anything like this for a long time," you know. So, um, so then we were like, "All right, Nipsey, right?" So we go we go for Nipsey. I don't even think we didn't even go through an agent. Like we went direct through mm. a manager or someone he agrees to it and everything else sold out immediately sold out but then he gets delayed gets delayed for a couple of months so we're like all right cool he gets delayed for six months mm. and i'm like i got people angry at me like what, what's going on? i said i'll give you the moment no 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 i don't want the money back when's the show when's the fucking show they don't want the money yeah yeah, yeah. they so want like, the show the they want nipsey hustle text? like what the fuck and then as a new thing for me get abuse for having a show that's been delayed and it's got mm. nothing to do with me right so then it's like nine months later I call up whoever the manager was like, I was like, yo, I, I, I'm pretty cocky, right? And yeah, I don't know. So, so I was just like, yo, what the fuck's going on, man? What the fuck is this show? Like, what's happening? Like, fucking around, man. I was like, oh, yo, yo, you know, he's in legal trouble. Da, 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 da. Yeah, let's just make it happen, man. Da, 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 da. Then, then a couple of months later, I'm still kicking off. Look at these angry emails. Like, people hating on me, like everything. Like, I'm getting cold shit. Like, and then somehow, some way, I don't know how, I end up 
talking to Nipsey. He's in the studio with Hip Boy. He's mm. like, yo, Sam6, what's going on? And da, 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 da. And I, I don't know him. I haven't met him. He was just like, I was like, Nip, we need to do this show, man. Like, come on, man. Like, just make it happen. Because I think an agent got involved and they were trying to delay it for a schedule for some release day. I was like, I don't okay. care about that. I was like, this needs to come over now. Was this like 2013, 2014? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I was like, and it's just a trip. I'm talking to Nipsey. He's in the studio with Hit Boys. Like, yo, we're working on some heat. And did it. yo, Semtex, man, I'm there. And then a couple of months later, locked in. All right, so it's locked in. We do the show. And and we do it at the, the Islington Academy on a Sunday night. And so this is a bigger room. It's not the two hundred. Oh people. no no no! This yeah. is this is like this is like seven hundred people. Okay. Right? So we did a night, and um, yeah, sold out, rammed, right? And um, so I'm DJing before he comes on, and shout out to his DJ. I think his VIP he was like, for some reason they were late. I think it was like half an hour late. Mm. So I'm DJ and the crowd's just looking at me like like solemn. Like, Not again. Yo, I thought I was gonna get fucked up. I <laughs> Not I again, get, Sam I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought I was gonna get fucked up that night. Like, cause <laughs> yo, the crowd just it was thugged out. It was like that was a very, very real crowd. Mm-hmm. And they were just looking at me like, We've heard this shit. You know, they don't they don't wanna hear DJ warm up shit. They don't wanna hear <laughs> that, right? They just they wanna see nip, right? Right. So I'm like I can read the crowd. So I'm 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 like to the DJ, yo, you, what the fuck's going on, man? You need to like you need to get him on stage quick. Mm. I like so then it happens and he comes on stage. Incredible show. Mm. Incred- absolutely incredible show. Kills it, everything else. Um crowd loved it. He delivered, he did all the mixtape joints. He was like everything that everybody wanted to hear, he did. Um and it was like it was a dope night. And then afterwards, I interviewed him downstairs. It's the only interview that I did of him. Hmm. And he was cool. He was just mad intrigued by the UK. He was just like, you know, I need to come back out here. And da 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 He was like, um, loved the show, loved the response of everything. It's like, we finally connected. So it's like the, the Aggie English guy who was like <laughs> pushing to get the show. We got the show. It was all good. Only one fight. It's great. <laughs> just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, a normal yeah, night at the pub, night. right? Yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Regular like, shit. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. And um Yeah, and then a couple of years later, he's supposed to be performing at a festival. So everyone's like, Oh, there's this festival that's taking place and it's like, Oh shit. Yeah, make it, man. Really? It's, yeah, because then it's like no longer with us. It's deep. So wait, what, why did he not make the show? No, because he, he, he's no longer with us. That, that was... Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So right. two months before yeah. he was supposed to perform, mm. it was like his name was all over London. It was all over flyers and everything. Mm. So it's like he, he's got a dope fan base out here. So his fans were just like devastated. Like... um, I watched the recap of your show. I went researching the book. I watched everything and talked to everyone I could talk to. And I remember your conversation with him you're like nip this was like a year in the making man. Yeah, you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he talked about how he felt like he was home in la because the crowd mm. knew every word and they were singing it mm. gave him a lot of motivation mm. you know but that was i mean i it's not surprising to me that you say he brought out like an extra real crowd because the mm. people that tapped in with him mm. related to what he was speaking about you know it's like he said once on a record he did with Wiz and Currency, that pistol grip poetry, you know, like he had that realness to every bar and real recognized real. And mm. that's why his fan base, I think, was so committed 
you know, and and then the inspiration of the marathon and the the you know the stories he was telling, you know, it it resonated with people from all walks of life mm. and athletes and people that couldn't pass their exams they would mm. they would study to nip and you know he just touched something in people and um you know the tragedy that took place on march 31st you know a lot of people that were sleeping were woken up to him they hadn't paid attention before and mm. they're playing catch up and as we know you know the streaming numbers went through the roof and Staples Center Memorial and all these other things happened. But for people that were paying attention from early, it didn't surprise us that the whole world resonated with him because, you know, he never tried to be the biggest star in the world. He wanted to be, you know, the, the realist and have the realest connection to the people that connected with him. And that was the whole thing. You know, that's why he never cared about a, a major label deal. You know, it, it took him a long time to even, you know, deal with Atlantic records. Cause it mm. was, that was not really what it was about. It was mm. about like fucking with the people that fuck with you and like over serving them, over delivering. Mm. And you know, that's a model that a lot of people to this day, like the game obviously keeps changing at a rapid pace mm. now with technology and everything. Nip was an early adapter. I mentioned before he built computers. He was early to social media. I'm sure when you booked his show, you probably went on his Twitter and got on the <laughs> iHustle platform. And, yeah, you, know, yeah, you could yeah, get yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah. You could get to him. Like mm -hmm. if you were tapped into technology, you could talk to him. And you know, there's not that many artists that were doing it at that point that way. And now, mm -hmm. of course, you have to be on social media. You know. Yeah, and even shout out to his DJ VIP. He, you know. You got everything you need. You you got the, the explicit versions, the instrumentals, no the versions. It was like you were get you getting music service better than you know, or as good as someone who was signed to a major. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's very um, rigid in terms of like how they they were getting the music out there. But how how what was the process for you or the stepping stones to you doing your book on Nipsey Hussle? I mean, as I mentioned, it was a long journey of paying attention to his music. I was a complex when he did the famous fuck complex tweet, you know, and he, you know, there was a whole thing around the Crenshaw rollout and, you know, complex had done one of their salty, you know, lists where they were like, you know, the underachieving D rappers and, mm. you know, and, and sort of, you know, threw some shade, you know, tongue in cheek lisp and he was offended, but he didn't say anything. And then, Sure enough, soon after he does he does the Crenshaw tape, hundred thousand dollars of mixtape sold mm. in one night. You know, people went from saying you're crazy to charge a hundred for a tape to suddenly you're a genius. You know, so he he was aware of the hypocrisy, and so when someone from Complex, one of my colleagues at Complex, reached out for an interview, um, he was like, "That's hypocritical because y'all just dissed me like a few weeks ago." Mm. So fuck Complex, ten racks for an interview, or stop mm. emailing my management. And that was kind of a legendary interview. We finally were able to sort it out, and he he talked his shit, and it's a very real interview. So I've just been watching his journey, and when it came time for Victory Lap, you know, I, I was a mass appeal by that point. Mm. Shout out to Nas and mm. Sasha Jenkins, you know, and. So I was like, we have to talk to Nipsey Hussle. You know, this is a mandatory, non-negotiable, get him in here. And, you know, I, I linked up with Brittany Bell at Atlantic Records. And, you know, it turned out we were the first interview when he came to New York. He had just, 
you know, rolled out the project that took him damn near a decade to deliver. You know, he was working on that record for a long time and had it just right, perfected it business-wise, music-wise, everything. It's a masterpiece. And so he was just a few days off of rolling that out. It looked like it was going to be a, I think it was a top five debut. You know, he was feeling very good. Came in 9.30 in the morning and we had a conversation like you and me are having right now. Like it wasn't an interview, it was a conversation. You know, it was a reasoning, as I like to say. And, you know, <laughs> the best. Yeah, the best. And we were just speaking about everything. And I knew enough to take it in lots of different directions. Like you mentioned earlier, you don't do the Wikipedia, you know, we're talking about real things. And from Eritrea to Crenshaw to, you know, cryptocurrency, you know, we, we touched on a lot of areas. And so, you know, after an hour of dropping gems, I'm sitting there like, how do we make a five minute YouTube video out of this? Like what, what actually is going on here? So I knew that we had to do justice to that. And, and that was the moment when I realized I have an obligation to tell this man's story properly. He had that XXL cover where she shared with 11 other artists or however many, but he hasn't had that real life story told on him. And so my thought was either make a documentary or a book. And it became clear rapidly that documentary takes a lot more budget and flying around mm -hmm. than I was really at the position to do at that moment. And so I said, okay, I'm going to start just reaching out to people that work with him and start putting the story together. And, um, you know, that process went on for a while. I was speaking to artists that he was affiliated with, um, you know, people in the industry, the, you know, the media people like Vanessa at XXL, certain DJs that were playing his records, like DJ Felly Fell in LA that played the first, you know, that played yeah, yeah, yeah. Hustle in the House when mm -hmm. it first popped. And, you know, over time, you know, Steve Lobel, Johnny Shipes, like people that were part of the journey. And, you know, obviously March 31st hit me in the chest just like everybody else, you know, if you cared about this man, it was, you know, heartbreaking, devastating, you know, um, stop me in my tracks. But then I knew it was all the more important to finish the job, you know? And so I continued to press forward and, you know, I had the opportunity to speak with Black Sam, his, his older brother, and uh, Samantha, his sister, and, you know, David Gross, his business partner, and, you know, just people that were part of the journey along the way. And I was blessed to reach out to people like Cousy Capone, you know, who's like, a mentor to him as a rapper and in the streets, you know, and, you know, real people that I didn't do this book through the industry. The industry did not, it wasn't like a itinerary and a, you know, and, and to be clear, to be real with you, this is my journalistic book. This is not a authorized biography. It was written with great respect, with great love. Um, the journalistic craft that I practiced for decades, you know, is in full, you know, display here, but you know, this was not like a business deal where people signed off and the label and management signed off, you know, but everyone's been real cool. And, you know, I made a decision just on my own out the gate that I was going to donate a portion of the royalties to the family just on the strength. But, you know, it's, it's my story of Nipsey Hussle putting him in the context of hip hop, in the context of LA history, in the context of 
you know, the, the street history and American history and just, you know, all the forces that shaped him into the singular individual that he is. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Did you have to get blessing from Sam or anyone else in his family or like were they just cool with you doing it or? I think you know when you approach people with respect it's implied you know mm. I mean I definitely reached out for everybody's blessing and it's a question of like everybody knows what you're doing but you have to just proceed you know with that respect and don't you know, you know, like I've been doing this long enough. I mm. know the code. I know mm. the respect levels that's, you know, required here. Um, it's a big responsibility, right? What's that? It's a big responsibility. I mean, a huge responsibility. It's the most challenging thing I've ever done as a journalist to take on this story. And I knew it had to be done right. And, you know, the reviews have been great. The, you know, it came out at the end of March hit the New York Times bestseller list in top of April, you know, it's been 100% love since it came out. And, you know, I, I think that just speaks to the fact that Nip is an artist that's important to this world. You know, I finished the book in the last part of 2020 in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of the upheaval in America, George Floyd and, you know, the president, you know, running amok. And, you know, you just felt the urgency that Nipsey's story had to be told and, like, his mis his message and his mission had to be fulfilled, you know. And I had that ringing in my headphones every night mm. while I was writing the book. I have to finish this. The world needs this. What's the response been like from people that, that contributed or who knew him or his family? What, what, what's, the, what's it been like, the reaction from? Everybody, like I said, it's been 100% positive and... You know, like you just, I judge it by the people that, you know, from the ones that were a part of his life from day one that tell me they love the book to the people that have actually never even tapped in and say, wow, this, this young man, like older journalist that, you know, I, interviewed me, you know, I was interviewed by like Good Morning America and, you know, Sway in the Morning and, you know, a lot of, you know, major platforms. But, like, some people that don't know anything about Nip, they'll say, this man reminds me of, like, a Malcolm X or someone, you know, and that's the the company that his name should be mentioned in, you know. Like, his legacy is going to live on forever, and it continues to change minds and elevate people's whole vision for their life, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's really, to me, Nipsey Hussle is the ultimate fulfillment of the purpose of hip-hop. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you talk about, like, you know, back to the Bronx, back to like making something out of nothing and elevating mm. yourself, elevating your loved ones, elevating your community. That's what NIP stands for. That's what he did and continues to do. And, you know, nobody ever actually did it like that. Like mm. stayed 
10 toes down in their neighborhood. Mm. You know, hip hop has a lot of great like rags to riches stories. You mm. can compare like a Jay-Z, for instance, you know, we know what his story is from the Marcy projects and all the things in his rhymes, you know, are taken from life. Right. But if he were to try to build Rockefeller in the Marcy projects, that would be a very challenging mm. thing to do. You know, mm. that's pretty much analogous to what Nip, actually right. accomplished you know like right there on the corner that him and sam were you know selling the t-shirts selling the socks selling the mixtapes you know to, to buy that block and make that the marathon clothing and make that the place that you build the empire you know and, and create jobs right there in that community which is known for other things that are not as progressive and positive and even not turn your back on that it's a phenomenal accomplishment. Nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever tried to do that, you know? And it shows his love of hip-hop, his faith in the force of this culture, you know? He loved hip-hop more than... I can't think of many people that just stayed true to the real purpose and promise of it the way he has. Someone said to me recently, they, they knew that... They only realized how big he was when they saw that the funeral service was going to be taking place at the Staples Center. That is crazy. Of course. A lot of people, that was their wake-up call, you know? I mean, Michael Jackson, Nipsey Hussle, Kobe Bryant, those are the three memorials that were held in that venue. And, you know, he deserved it. Um, you know, he deserved to have Stevie Wonder sing at his memorial. He deserved a letter from Barack Obama. And, you know that motorcade that went through every neighborhood. Remember, every neighborhood, like neighborhoods in LA, it's not like a light thing to just pass peacefully through every neighborhood and everybody was respectful and, you know, it was, it was a beautiful day and, you know, obviously a horrible tragedy, but, you know, a testament to what that man stood for, what Aramis Askadom stood for, you know. I'm tired of saying RIP. I'm tired of doing rest in peace posts. Um, you know, in hip hop, it, it, the last couple of years have been crazy. You know, um, Pop Smoke, Juice World, XSX Tentacion, DMX, Mac Miller. It's like. Bismarcky. Yeah, it's, it's. So I just want to say. The next book that you do, please do it on someone who's still alive. I, I feel you. <laughs> I feel you 100% on that. And that is definitely um, that is definitely the plan. You know, I as I mentioned, this was not something that was begun, like, after the Staples Center. Like, oh, this will be a big thing if I write this thing now. You know, this was a, a journey of, you know, from 09 up, you know. And, and I don't think that it could have been written the way it is if it wasn't a lifetime of, you know, when you read the book, you'll see, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a love letter to hip hop. It's a history of LA and hip hop and how, you know, even how, why, okay. For instance, would you describe Nipsey Hussle as a gangster rapper? Yes or no? Is that, would that be a term you yeah, would, if, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is a term that I unpack. Like, what does that term gangster rapper even mean? You know, like, how has that term been used by the mainstream media to attack hip hop and to like undermine 
you know, artists from certain background and, you know, why do gangs exist? Why do the Crips and Bloods exist? You know, who are the Slossons? You know, when Nip says Slosson boy, his Slosson boy tape, I mean, he's got Slosson boy on the back of his, you know, on his flesh. What does that mean? You know, that. so I, I did some, you know, real deep research and talked to people that know and, you know, like, for instance, okay, the Slossons, were the biggest gang in L.A. at a time when Bunchy Carter was their leader, right? Bunchy Carter gets recruited by the Black Panthers to lead the L.A. chapter of the Panthers, you know? And Nip understood that. He was referencing something for a deliberate purpose, you know? People don't know about the white gangs that existed in L.A. They don't know about the spook hunters and, you know, the, the fact that, like, black families had to live in certain neighborhoods along Central Avenue because of a policy called redlining that prevented them from owning property outside of certain zones. That was a government policy. And, you know, the white gangs had the support of the police. They were harassing, you know, black kids going to school or terrorizing families that tried to stray out of the zone that they were limited to. So, you know, you had to have neighborhood organizations to protect, you know, and I believe that you know, Nip understood that history very well and had a purpose to redirect the energy of these neighborhood organizations closer to, you know, the original purpose, you know, that had gotten a little bit misconstrued and, you know, lost in the sauce. And, you know, these are things that have to be said because, you know, if you do the Wikipedia, if you do the the fast and loose thing that media usually does, it, it, it gets lost. And, you know, he's an important person and remains so. And, you know, the impact on artists that are carrying his name forward, the Jay Stones and Pac-Man, the Gunman, and, you know, there's a lot of important artists from that All Money In crew that, you know, need to be listened to. Their, their example needs to be heard. Even an artist like Mozzie right now has got this record, that, you know, collaborate with Nip numerous times but you know it's like those artists that are you know real to the thing and understand their purpose and you know they might be living a very real life that involves street situations but they're tapped into the the struggle and upliftment of people like that's those are the people that should be champion right now and that all too often gets lost in this celebrity industrial complex social media thing that you know runs the game now mm. yeah, it's horrible man well listen like i appreciate you taking the time out to do this um and and the book is available everywhere wherever books are sold right yeah basically you can go on my instagram there's a link in the bio mm. wherever in the world you tap in i think there's like a link for the uk there's one for canada there's one for you know it's published by atria books which is part of simon and schuster so it's they get it out there you know it's it's some yeah. um, you know but if if you go on Amazon, you get it, but support your local bookseller if you can, yeah. you know. Go to the, the, the mom and pop shop that's keeping the lights on because those are dope people too, you know. And like, you know, you're going to get a good conversation with your book and, you know, maybe pick up some other cool stuff while you're there. Um, but Nipsey was a great reader, you know. Nipsey, although he, he ended up leaving high school before he completed, you know, he was self-educated and, at a high level and influenced a lot of people to pick up books in his circle and, you know, always had bookshelves in the studio and shared reading lists with people. A lot of his ideas came from reading books. And, you know, I always hoped that this book would be worthy of inclusion on one of his 
reading lists and you know I, I i know of nipsey hustle book clubs that exist many have been inspired by him and and this book has been included on those reading lists it's been included at uh the reading list at howard university now and some other higher learning institutions are starting to plug in which is a huge very humbling experience for me as the author of the book you know so you know i'm happy this is the first interview in the uk that i've done i'm having fun it's the only one you need to do i, I mean <laughs> simple and plain man I'm, i'm out of here tomorrow so no honestly it's this is this is beyond uk your thing is worldwide yeah. semtex yeah. and I, I'm, i'm very honored to be yeah. in your house today talking about this elliot wilson says i'm confident well <laughs> coming from yn that's a big that's how I mean, he describes it. <laughs> he's not exactly shy himself so, you know but yeah i mean um you know your your track record speaks for itself so it's cool man thanks a lot for doing this my pleasure and my honor big respect <laughs>